as we'll as we see from this passage and as we will discuss even later, how debt is a chain that imprisons us. And the scripture is clear to point out any number of things from this world that imprison us, that consume us, that take the attention of our life away from our Creator. Why don't we take a minute here in in silence, in confession, confessing to God what are the things of this life that can consume us, that can lord over us, that can take away our attention from our Creator. Let's take a 60 seconds in silent confession before God. Gracious God, hear the cries of our heart. Hear them, hear our confession, and cleanse us in the power of your Holy Spirit, in the life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Make us new. Free us. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Brothers and sisters in Christ, hear the good news. In Jesus Christ, we are freed even from the shackles of sin and death. There is nothing in this world or the world to come that is greater than the power of the One who is within us. The Spirit resides within us. In Jesus Christ, we have been freed. The shackles have been loosed. Whatever it is that claims you, Whatever it is that has you bound in Jesus Christ, receive the freedom that only He can bring. In Him, we are forgiven. Receive it, believe it, make it your own, and now share it with one another. Please stand. Pass the peace of Christ with each other. The last couple weeks, we've really focused on and looked at a lot of the the big themes, the the big picture idea, and that's 
really, I'm partial to that, sort of where I live and the big picture ideas, the details sort of skip me by, which do get me in a lot of trouble at times, but the, the big picture practices that we've been talking about is we've been seeking to pursue God's freedom from being consumed from the things of this world, being consumed with our Creator and with His love. The big practices are joy and gratitude. Now that we simply are seeking to, to leave from here and spend the week looking for the many gifts that God has given us and enjoying them. To, to leave from here simply looking for the many gifts that God has given us and raising our hands in, in praise and thanksgiving for what God has given us. Well, today, we'll get a little more particular, a little more specific. We'll, we'll talk about a, an issue that's really very prominent today and becoming more and more prominent and more and more a, a real problem in our society, and that's the bondage of debt. Our passage, and where one of the places that God speaks about this, is in Proverbs chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. We've already read verses 1 through 5, so let's move to verse 6, and we'll read chapter, or Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 11 also. It's found on page 513 in your pew Bible. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you for your word and thank you for the, the wisdom that it brings of the, the big idea but also the wisdoms in the specifics, in the practical, in uh, our day-to-day -day life. Send your spirit upon us for each one how we can best apply this wisdom that comes from above, that comes only from you. Thank you that you love us with such intimate detail that you give us words to speak even to the details of our lives. For your glory and honor. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Proverbs chapter 6, starting with verse 6. Go to the ant, you lazy bones. Consider its ways and be wise. Without having any chief or officer or ruler, it prepares its food in summer. And gathers its sustenance in harvest. How long will you lie there, O lazy bones? When will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a robber. And want like an armed warrior. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You know, it's interesting to me that these first three Sundays, two of the three, we've been in what's called the wisdom literature. We've been in Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, and uh, the, commonly called the, the, the writings also. But they're, they're generally giving us guidelines of wisdom. It's not in the Proverbs, it's not in Ecclesiastes that necessarily we'll find commands or promises, but we find wisdom. The kind of stuff that's, you know, sort of like sitting down with grandma or grandpa, where they, they give you wisdom that makes sense, that's just, it's right on. And yeah, there might be exceptions along the way, 
But 95% of the time, it's right on. That's, that's the stuff of Proverbs. That's the stuff of Ecclesiastes. It gives us, it's of the, the genre in the biblical corpus of wisdom literature. I remember when Kathy and I were first married. Sort of the, the piece of, of wisdom that was given to us, most practical pieces of wisdom, was live on one salary. Always just live on one salary. And it turned out to be great practical wisdom for us. Also told us, live, put all your money in one checking account. And, and for us, that was great wisdom. And for most people, it's probably great wisdom. That's the kind of stuff that you get out of Proverbs, that you get out of Ecclesiastes. And what we see today in the whole of the passage of chapter 6, verses 1 through 11 is if you find yourself in debt, get out! In a hurry, get out! Chapter, verse 1, if you've given yourself, you've given your pledge to your neighbor. Now, a pledge was when you gave someone, in, in, in those days, you gave some possession that you owned as a sign that you were going to Pay them what you owed them. For example, you'd, you'd give them your coat to say, I'm going to pay you back what I owe you. And in those days, coat was very significant. It was extremely important. But that's what the pledge was that you were to give them. So it's a sign that you had borrowed money from them. So if you've given your pledge to your neighbor, if you've bound yourself to another... I mean, today we don't give pledges like that. We just sign our name. And in a way, that's a promise. It's a pledge to say, we're going to pay you what we owe you. And, and, even, and what the writer of Proverbs is saying, you've bound yourself to another. The word bound is the same word used for hammering tent stakes deep into the ground. So it's not just a nice friendly agreement, but it is that you have thrust your hand into another and they got a hold of it. And that's the picture that the writer of Proverbs is painting for us. And if you've done that, if you've bound yourself to another, then verse 2, you are snared by the utterance of your lips, caught by the words of your mouth. Snared, caught, imprisoned, bound. You owe another money and you're bound to give it to them. And that is a type of imprisonment that can spiral downwards into all kinds of trouble. I had a, a close friend, a leader in his church. And his debt wasn't personal, it was business. And the business that he owned started to spiral downward. He started to lose money. He started to cut corners, skip out on taxes. Then he started to get calls from creditors, calls from the IRS. He secretly forged signatures in order to get a second mortgage on his home, not telling anyone in his family or anyone anything else until finally 
it exploded. And he got caught. And his business went down the tubes. His marriage went down the tubes. And for a season, his children were estranged from them. And he separated himself because of just the embarrassment and the shame from his church and from his friends. And never got out of the bondage that debt caused him. I remember in one conversation with him, he even said, you know, I just thought if I just win the lottery, then that would solve my problems. Today we live in a culture of I want it all and I want it now, as we've talked about before. An elder in the congregation emailed me this week to say, I just saw a wonderful uh, um, license plate tag for consumed. It says, I, me, mine. This week, or the last two weeks, just these last two weeks, I started collecting offers for me to go further into debt. Just that I got in the mail. I didn't even print out the emails that I got. Now look, here's one, $50,000 there, $10,000 there, $75,000 there. Oh, here's one just for a measly $5,000 credit line, $10,800 and another $8,000. All right there in the last two weeks of credit that is available to me just by signing the name and sending it in. $148,000 worth of credit just in the last two weeks that I could have. That's twice my salary, my annual salary. I can have it. Two to three weeks. Could be mine. It's a snare in a prison. Yet, in our culture, I know none of us here... We're, we're, we're going through this so that we can help other people. We're not, it's not about us. We're, we're understanding this so that we can help other, others. We are willing to put ourselves in these prisons regularly. In our family, our hardest time is January and February. Because that's when the bills from the gifts and presents and travel of Christmas come due. And, and this series has been great for Kathy and I to, well, I wouldn't call it fun, but it's certainly been good and helpful to sit at the table and sort of talk about, you know, this is a habit that we get into regularly, that January and February we're always cutting things thin. Maybe we can learn from this as well. So it's for me, not for y'all. So I appreciate y'all being here for what I'm able to learn. Why is it, though, such a growing problem in our age? Did you know that 80% of college students graduate in credit card debt before they ever have a job? Why is that the case? And why has it always been the case? This was written 3,000 years ago. It's not a modern issue. This is something that God has been presenting to His people for over 3,000 years Debt is a prison. I, I wonder if it's our instant gratification. We, we want what we want and we want it now. You know, our microwave age, ATMs and, and all the rest. The challenge that we have simply to say no to ourselves. You know, it's so easy to justify. Well, I want my kids to have the best. You know, this will really answer our problems. This will bring us life and joy. This will make things easy and peaceful. 
It was wonderful. This weekend, our youth participated in a 30-hour famine. It's an international event where they fasted for 30 days, 30 days, 30 hours, one step at a time, 30, 30 hours, and they raised money to combat world hunger. And I think, you know, and they, they were here and Tony did a great job and they had great videos that were presented of learning about world hunger and of praying together and praying for world hunger, realizing the, the benefits of what they have. But I think the greatest thing that they learned is that they could say no to their appetite for 30 hours. For 30 hours, even though they had an appetite that would say, I need to eat, I want to eat, they could say no to it and survive. And maybe even enjoy themselves. But I also think there's deeper issues. There's identity issues. There's value issues. I mean, our world tells us we are what we buy. We are worth what we have when you add up what we owe and what we own. That's, what, that's our net worth, we even call it. Last week, in the pastor's meeting, every Monday, I get together with about 15, 16 other pastors throughout the area that are going through this series. And one of the pastors shared his story of battling debt. And he said that the credit card gave him great value and purpose. That when he would go and swipe it and see the words approved, they said that might have been the only time that day that what he had done was approved. And today, we can even be pre-approved. I mean, it's unconditional, right? There is power, a false power, in our wealth, in our possessions. It's a spiritual power, as we talked about last week, that can take us over. And God knows, and that's why God wants us to get out. Or to help others get out. Verse 3. So do this, my child, and save yourself. For you have come into your neighbor's power. Go, hurry, and plead with your neighbor. Give your eyes no sleep and your eyelids no slumber. Do you get the point? This is urgent. This is urgent in God's eyes. Don't just sort of, oh, it'll take care of it. We'll work it out sometime. No, go take care of it now. Save yourself like a gazelle from the hunter, like a bird from the hand of the fowler. Go, the, the, the word for, for save there is go snatch yourself, rip yourself out of it. I remember uh, coming home from a, uh, traveling, this is a number of years ago, because Hannah, my oldest, was just, she was a toddler. And we were unpacking, and she was in the middle of the bed, sort of playing with stuff as Kathy and I were unpacking, and somehow she got a hold of my razor. And I looked up, and I'm on one side of the room, and she's playing with my razor. Well, man, I made like Spider-Man. I leapt across the room, and I ripped that thing out of her hand in no time. And that's the same energy that God has here. You're a bird in the fowler's snare. Fly away, because you're going to be imprisoned and robbed 
of the life that God has for you. This has been part of God's plan all along. One of the the words that's familiar to many of us here is the word jubilee. Our pursuit of the jubilee vision. Leviticus 25, which is uh, about to be on the screen, is that picture that God set aside for His people so that debt would never be a perpetual problem. And you shall hallow the 50th year, and you shall proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. You shall return, every one of you, to your property, and every one of you to your family. It was in that day, that, that every 50th year, so God designed for God's people, for them to wipe out every debt. So that there would never be this, this cycle of poverty. This cycle of debt. It would just be wiped clean. That was God's design for God's people from the beginning of the establishment of the nation of Israel. This is part of the heart of God because He knows the power that debt has to dehumanize us. Now, let me remind you, once again, that this is Proverbs. This is the general wisdom literature And what will always happen eventually, well, what about house mortgages? Those are debt, aren't they? Yes, they are. I've got one. Probably many of us do as well. So we don't all have to go pay off our mortgage tomorrow. Because things like this have developed that are much more complex, much more different than the day of Proverbs. And we recognize... Again, that this is wisdom literature. Not a direct command, but that which is true most of the time. And you go and talk to those that know more than than I do about these things, and you you research their, their words to understand this passage as it applies to things like mortgages. If you can get out, yeah, get out. There's great freedom there. But be sure you don't overextend yourself. Be sure that 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 debt isn't something that's going to imprison you. Be careful and be clear. But that's part of the nature of the wisdom literature. That is to be generally applied in our life. Now, what I want to share with you here is an interview with a, a couple from another church that uh, was, was shared in our um, process of sharing information with one another. And, and they share the imprisonment, but also the release. Well, about um, four or five years ago, we, uh, we were in a pretty bad financial shape as far as our debt was concerned. We, uh, we had about um, $75,000 in credit card debt. Um, we had two car loans and a mortgage. And uh, we, uh, we decided that we needed to try to do something to, uh, to get rid of that. 
We loved to travel and we enjoyed eating out and it was so easy for us just to swipe a credit card. And before we knew, we were in this huge financial um, debt. The first time McDonald's started taking credit cards, I thought, who's going to charge McDonald's? You know, who's going to put a dollar thirty-five or four dollars or whatever it is on their credit card? I became one of those people, to where I would swipe my card because it was so easy to do that for a Big Mac or a cup of coffee. And I think at that point, it kind of hit home for me that you know I don't even have the extra cash to buy a cup of coffee. I have to put on my credit card. And it just kept mounting up and mounting up. And then somebody said to me, do you realize that that cup of coffee that you're putting on your credit card now, it may take you three years to pay it off, or that lunch or whatever it is. And I think that's when we got to that point. And we just were, we were both making great money, but we were spending more than we were making. And it was just so easy to do. We didn't realize it when we were in the middle of it until we got on the other side of it. The effect that it had on our marriage. I think that we were both kind of blaming each other how we got there. Uh, we got to a point because it was so overwhelming that we really didn't talk about it because neither one of us wanted to admit that it was the problem that it was. And so we just ignored it. And we were basically just, you know, kind of eking along and um, not communicating with each other. And... Um, just really struggling and I think that that's why when we came to the point of coming back to Crossroads or coming to Crossroads and also getting out of financial debt it works so well together because I don't think either one of us realized what a toll it had taken on our marriage because we weren't communicating we weren't uh, working as a team um, and it just really started to I think in hindsight really started to affect our our relationship we got to class the first night and there was probably maybe like 20 people in the class. It was made up of you know, single moms, couples, whatever. And the minister who happened to be running the class, he wanted everybody just to shout out a number. He was going to write it on a whiteboard of how much debt we had, everybody had. And Jeff and I looked at each other and we thought, okay, one of the things that we committed to do, we were going to be honest about it. And we, he was facing the board and we said 75 and everybody just held their breath, and he wrote it up there, and everybody turned around and looked at us, and it was like this really sobering moment for us. And at that point, we made the decision that if we were able to get out of debt, one of the things we were going to do was share our story with people because we felt like it really kind of gave us kind of a jumping-off point to help ourselves but also to help somebody else. We decided to tithe in the midst of us not having any, <laughs> any really money. extra money, but we... Um, <laughs> We did a lot of praying, and we decided this is something we're going to do. And um, I think in uh, some ways or a lot of ways that helped us get to where we are today. I remember that first time we were at the checkout, and we were driving to church on a Sunday morning, and we were right in the middle of the course and just all this struggle. And I was saying, okay, this is what our tithe would be and writing that out. And looking at that number thinking, gosh, there's so much that I could do with that and pay towards our debt and putting it in there and it was kind of one of those things that we didn't really have the money to pay it but it just kept coming and before long we were like gosh we're halfway out of debt we're all the way out of debt and it's you know we've never really looked back have we no i mean it's still the one check that i write out <laughs> that we write out every week and god has just really blessed just us. really blessed us with it and along the way um she got uh, Beverly got some unexpected bonuses. I got two unexpected bonuses. All those went to the credit card debt. Mm -hmm. um, 
You took it on was, extra. Debt. I took on extra extra tax extra work, work and all that. All of my extra work went to pay off the credit mm -hmm. cards and. Uh, and fortunately for us, in a period of about two and a half years, we were able to eliminate all that credit card debt. Uh, tell me what it feels like now to be completely out of debt. It changes your life. I mean, it's yeah, it's, it's just it's, 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 it's um, a total freedom. I mean, it's it's amazing how you you don't. I mean, you don't have the worries about the money like you did before. Our life is so much more meaningful now, without all that stuff and all that burden than it probably could have ever been. Uh, we volunteer to, um, to basically help people who have uh, financial problems mm -hmm. here at Crossroads through dollars and cents. Now our ultimate desire in the Church of Jesus Christ isn't to be a financial counselors but it's to draw people unto Jesus Christ. Our real point isn't to get folks out of debt, but to free them from the power of debt or the love of money or the security of that, the false security of material possessions and point us to the real security, to the real love, to the one who paid our debt in full and that's Jesus Christ so if some of you here are in the midst whose story is similar to the one that we just heard let me encourage you to simply turn to Christ we will be uh, promoting a, a class after this one uh, similar to what was spoken about for real life help in real life situations that God desires to serve, to bring you to experience life to the full. Matthew 11 is the closing passage for this morning. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In the back of the consumed booklet, if you still have it, there's some great information in the appendix. Great stuff about practical stuff about debt. And you know, that's what I love about this series, is I doubt I would ever have preached this sermon if it hadn't been for this series and for focusing me on that particular passage of Proverbs. But what I love is how, one, it's a major biblical topic. I mean, it is throughout the Old Testament. It is, it is, you go look in the Leviticus and the Numbers, God has all kinds of guidelines limiting debt and borrowing to God's people. And of course, as we've said many a time, Jesus talks more about money than He does any other social issue by far. And some have said, you know, I wish we would just focus on the spiritual. I'm like, can you define spiritual for me? What part of life is God not intimately involved in? What, what part of my life is God not intimately involved in? Because that's the part that's not spiritual. And I've looked in the scriptures, I can't find it. And so I love here the, the practical 
being spiritual. Being real. And, and how important this is. Or either God wasted a lot of ink talking about it as much as He did in the Scriptures. Now as we collect our offerings, we receive our offering, as we give our offering unto God, I encourage you to consider the debt that you have. Real, I'm not talking spiritual, I'm talking real, practical, dollars and cents kind of debt. And if it's zero, then during this offering, make this an offering of thanksgiving and praise because you didn't get there by yourself. That was God's wisdom and God's help to put you in that situation and offer yourself up as a voice of wisdom to those around you, friends, peers, children, grandchildren, that are caught in the trap. Don't bail them out, but be a voice of wisdom and help to help them. And if it's more than zero especially if it's a lot more than zero, offer that unto God too. Hear His offer. He wants to lead you out of the trap and the snare into the life that He has for you. He wants your burden. He wants to take it and carry it with you. Offer that unto God as well. Amen.